Starting or growing your business is hard work. But now you are listening to the Better Business Podcast with me, Steve Cook, and I'm going to try and make it a little easier on you. We on this podcast help you grow a better business with real advice from professionals, and today is no different. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Cook, and on today's episode, we are continuing our conversation around how to acquire and keep good talent. We're talking about HR. We're talking about hiring. We're talking about keeping good employees that you want to keep. Um, you know, I think this is a, an important conversation because though you might be in the phase of um, where you're the only employee at your organization or um, maybe if you are in the process of wanting to open your business, hiring employees is one of those things that you might could call a necessary evil. I think that um, no one enjoys um, hiring and firing and, and the process of, of keeping people motivated and things like that. However, in thinking about this episode, I was trying to think of a um, occupation that would be a very large income. Um, so, say you know, two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollar income per year, um, or something like that. There are businesses such as maybe a, a realtor or something like that that would require maybe one or two admin type people. Um, you know, or, or some sort of consultant or an author or an artist or something like that. However, even in all of those businesses, you still would have people that would do um, certain tasks for you, be it uh, hiring a virtual assistant or something um, similar to that. So I think this this notion of I'm not going to hire any employees is fine if that is the lifestyle, if that is the style of business you're going after. Um, but if you have aspirations of building a large company, you cannot do it without help. You can't do it without hiring um, additional people to take care of, whether it be menial tasks, whether it be run a portion of your company, or whatever it is. Um, there is a, a aspect of growing a company that is going to require, or there is a point in every company's growth that's going to require you to hire employees. Um, so for some businesses, such as a, a large, um, let's say, let's go back to the artist example or the um, realtor example, you would have to be selling probably millions of dollars worth of um, product, be it houses or artwork or whatever, before you would need to bring on somebody else. But, um, you know, if you look at maybe a restaurant or um, a, a clothing business or, or most retail businesses, you, you would have to bring on an employee at a very, very small uh, revenue, maybe $200,000 in revenue or something like that in those businesses where you would need some help. So if you have aspirations of building a large business, this sounds trite or maybe depressing or whatever it might be, but... I think that you have to be accepting of the fact that you are going to have to be in the employee business. Um, that is going to take maybe a fourth, maybe a third of your working life to make those people happy, to motivate those people, to check in with those people, to train those people. 
So if you have aspirations of building a large business, this is something that if you haven't already, you need to swallow. Um, you need to, to accept that or like I had mentioned, get into one of those businesses that you don't have to have a lot of employees. Um, but even if you're going to have a, a virtual assistant, even if you're going to have a, um, you know, someone that doesn't necessarily work for you, you still have to learn how to um, convey ideas. You still have to motivate those people. You still have to know when to put your foot down and, and ask for a deadline to be met and when to, you know, have a little flexibility. It's the same concept, whether it's a 1099 employee or W2, W4, um, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You still have to learn how to motivate those people and keep people on task, which is the same thing as being a leader, same thing as being a boss to someone. So in that vein, I wanted to talk about our small businesses, my family's small businesses process in hiring employees. You might pick something up um, that is a clue for you that you had never thought about. Um, so the business that we, my family is in is a small um, business. We have three locations um, and we have anywhere from two, three, four employees at the smaller locations. And then we have uh anywhere from 10 to 15 at times um, at the larger location. And so our hiring process goes something similar to this. Um, if, if a manager is in the interested in wanting to hire someone, um, we usually talk about that and we have a position to be filled typically. We know what that person is going to be doing. So if you haven't got to that point yet of you know what that person is going to be doing, you need to have a idea of what that person will be working on. Um, in the book, The E-Myth Revisited, um, the author talks about, uh, maybe halfway through the book, um, he talks about how you have to set up your company, whether you are just the only person in this company to begin with, it doesn't matter. Um, you need to set up your company in uh, these little boxes and these little boxes right now will be filled all with your name, right? So if you're the only person that works in that company, um, let's say it's a restaurant, the host or hostess would be filled in, that box would be filled in with your name, but the um, waitress would also be filled in with your name. The cook would also be filled in with your name. The cashier would also be filled in with your name. The purchaser um, that purchases all the products, the assistant manager, the manager. So all these boxes would be filled in with your name at this point. However, the the idea is, is that you know what each of these jobs entails. You know what the task of a host or hostess would be. You know what the task of the inventory purchaser, the, the person that keeps everything stocked and keeps everything nice and neat, you know what those tasks are in that box. And so when you go to look for somebody to hire, you say, hey, these this is the job I'm hiring for. These are the tasks that are associated with it. These are the hours that are associated with it. And this is what it pays. Um, so if you have not got to that point, um, or maybe you've just never thought of that, and maybe you just hire good people or whatever it might be, that might be a good process to go through um, for yourself. And that book is called The E-Myth Revisited. So once we hire a person or start looking for a person to hire, um, let's say a cashier for instance, what we do is um, there's two platforms that we've been using most frequently. And I would like to, to um, try out a few more. There's so many different platforms that you can hire on. For years and years, Facebook was the best um, avenue for us to hire on. Um, 
we stuck to Facebook uh, hiring ads for probably six, seven, eight years. Um, however, it has gotten very hard to get good applications on that platform. I don't know if it is the the time that we're in right now um, with 2020, 2021, you know, kind of COVID um, things or what the case is. I don't know what the case is, but that platform has gotten very weak um, as far as we are concerned around getting good applications. You will get a lot of applications typically, but the quality of those applications is typically is lacks um, any great resumes or whatever it might be. The platform that we've used most frequently um, in the near in the recent past is the platform indeed. So how we handle Indeed is we go ahead and put the job listing on the platform. We put the hours, the pay, the um, tasks that you would be completing, things like that. And a, a thing that I picked up from a book is at the bottom of the job description, you want to know whether people are just plugging away, plugging away, plugging away, and just filling out a ton of applications or whether they are seeking out a certain type of job. I think that that's important for the longevity. You know, somebody that, let's say our um, feed horse equine, hard, somewhat hard manual labor type of atmosphere that is not going to be somebody that has no idea about the equine industry. That is typically somebody that grew up around farms. That's somebody that typically has been in the retail industry, has been in the hardware industry or something similar to that. So somebody that comes from the restaurant industry might be blown away by the amount of heavy lifting that we do. They might be blown away um, with the hours of uh, early mornings or something similar to that. So when you get people that just pop in these applications, you want to make sure that they're actually reading through the job description, that they're understanding what this job entails. So a good way to figure out if they have read through the job description and they do know what they're applying for is to put something at the bottom. So at the bottom of our job descriptions on Indeed or Facebook even, we put uh, something similar to, if you are interested in this job, you can get brownie points by going by the store, filling out an application in person and asking to meet the manager. Um, so that sets people apart, right? They've clearly read through that entire job description. And not only that, but coming into our store, meeting the manager lets us see what they look like. It lets us see how they act and how they present themselves. So that's a little trick that we've learned. Um, but we've been using Indeed with, with quite a bit of success. When we get those applications, we then after we get a resume, we look through a resume. What we are looking for is two things that make sense. A, one thing that makes sense is they are somewhat in our industry. And that's not a make or break thing. Obviously, all of these things are with a grain of salt. But we're looking for somebody that has been in our industry, has come from our industry. Their parents owned a small business or or perhaps they've worked in a hardware store. They worked in another feed store, even a competitor. I think that those are all great signs that they know what they're getting into. The second thing we look for is longevity. So these, these resumes that you get that you've worked three months at a place, you went to a next place, you worked five months at that place, you went to the next place, you worked two months at that place, you went to the next place. Um, I, I looked at a resume recently that had seven jobs in the past 12 month time period. What does that tell you? That tells you that this person, as soon as adversity hits, as soon as you're shorthanded, as soon as you have a really hard week and, and some unexpected things happen, Boom, that person's gone. 
that person is going to leave you at the drop of a hat. So what those two things that we look for is, is if they are in your industry already or have some familiarity with your industry, and B, we look for that longevity, whether it's one year, two years, it depends on the position you're hiring for. If you're looking for a manager, you might want to see some two, three, four year type of um, job history. If you're looking for a cashier, you might be, be um, lucky to get a one year um, that they've kept a job for one year, but um, it's all relative, of course, and it depends on how desperate you are. Secondly, once we get those resumes, we find some people we want to hire what we do is we do what's called a phone screen. And the podcast that we did earlier in the week talked about the questions that are legally required to ask. So if you have some questions about that, um, what kind of things you can talk to candidates about, that would be a great podcast for you to listen to or a video for you to watch. So what we do is a phone screen. And what the phone screen is for is A, are they going to even answer? Um, and B, will they sound presentable on the phone? Um, so what we do is we call the person and, and oftentimes that rules out. So we set, let's say we get 50 applications, we set off uh, five that we want to call. So out of those five, two probably won't call you back. The three that answer, what we do is we have a list of questions. And those questions, A, show you how presentable they are, but B, they kind of um, um, line out the things that are that are, that are um, simple for you to say, oh, look, you're not, you're not um, somebody that would be great for this job. So the, the few questions that we ask are things like, what is your schedule right now? How many hours are you looking for? Do you have any scheduling restrictions? You know, and some people might say, we open at eight o'clock. Some people might say, uh, yeah, I have to drop my kids off at 830. Um, and then I have to run by my mom's house to, to let the dog out. And then I have to blah, 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 blah. And they say, so, um, what I can do is start at 10 o'clock every day. You, you two, both of you might be on a totally separate page as far as their schedule is concerned. So we ask that question first to make sure they're even a qualified candidate for us. The next thing that we ask is things like, do you have a dependable ride? Um, you know, some people will, I'm borrowing my friend's car right now, blah, blah, blah. Well, what happens in two weeks when your friend wants their car back? Um, you know, we ask things like that. The next thing that we ask that can start setting this candidate apart or maybe start pushing them back is things like, do you have any special skills that would help you in this job? So things that are important to us is, have they driven equipment before? Or maybe if they're inside and they're in a cashier position, are you bilingual? Or, um, you know, have you worked a register before? Or have are you familiar with heavy lifting? Things like that. Um, and so we ask those, do you have any special skills that would be helpful for this job? Um, they might say, uh, nope. Well, if that's the case, that that goes to to show you how that candidate views their um, hire, our hiring process. And then you might talk to the next candidate and they say, I'm bilingual. I've worked a register before. And oh, by the way, I have a forklift license. Well, what does that do? Before you even bring those candidates in, you know which one already has the upper hand or you might choose to not even interview the other person. Um, so those are some of those, this, this conversation takes, I would say less than three minutes. You knock out these three or four questions, you see how they present themselves, you make sure that we're both on the same page about how many hours, um, what their schedule is like and what their personality is. And that saves us so much time when they come in for the in-person interview because in-person interviews, um, we have two people present 
And what we do at the in-person interview is we have a little bit longer, 15 to 30 minute interview. And we have two people present at those typically, um, if we can. And so that, that takes two people out of their normal day-to-day schedule, typically me and our manager at each location. So you're talking about some, some higher quality people that are typically more expensive in salary that you're taking away from their day-to-day job to look for applicants. So we want to make sure that these are people that we think we might have an opportunity to hire. So that's the point of the phone screen. After that, we typically find out if this person knows what they're getting into. A lot of people will say, now, who are you with? Oh, I didn't even remember applying for that job. They might sound great. They might be a great candidate, but when you start telling them what we do and and where we are located, believe it or not, a lot of people just put in a lot of applications and don't even realize who you are. Um, so after you got off the phone, some people might no-show your interview if they start looking you up after the fact and realize that they didn't even want to apply for that job. So what we do is we send out a scheduled message afterwards and say, hey, I'm going to schedule an interview with you at this time. Make sure you accept that if that's a good time for you. So what that does is that gives the person an easy out to say, I'm not going to accept that interview invite or I'm not going to text them back or whatever it might be. Um, We found that a lot of people just won't show up for their interview if we schedule it with them right there on the phone because they didn't know who was calling to begin with, right? So um, we give them time to look up who we are. We give them time to check their schedule and things like that. After the phone, send them a message. If they are interested in coming in for the interview, go ahead and text us back or go ahead and message us back on Indeed or whatever the platform you're using. So that's another way that we found to um, rule out these or to narrow down these no-shows for the in-person interview because we deal with quite a bit of the no-shows. Finally, um, we get into the interview questions. And one thing that I have learned, again, this was also spoken about in the last podcast that we did. One thing that I learned in interviewing, I've interviewed hundreds of people, um, and one thing I have taken away from that is to be quiet. Um, a lot of times what you do is when you ask a question, and, and what Kristen and Aaron said in the podcast that we did about having these questions written down, having these questions thought about beforehand, that is, that is great advice because this w- that will keep you from making this mistake. But the mistake I'm talking about is when you want to know why this person um, or if this person is a hard worker or if they are okay with manual labor. Let's say you're interviewing for a warehouse position um, or maybe you're interviewing for a restaurant position where the person is going to be on their feet all day long. One way that you might ask the question is you give a prerequisite that these things are important to you. Um and you might say, hey, listen, um, so, y- you know, what we do in our warehouse is, is we do a lot of heavy lifting. We, we um, have to stack feed all day long. It's, it's, sometimes it's hot in there. You know, how do you feel about um, manual labor? Are you okay with manual labor? Well, what you just did was you told them the, the answers that you are looking for rather than saying, how do you feel about uh, heavy lifting? It looks like your jo- your last job didn't have a lot of, of manual labor. Um, how do you are you are you a strong person or or how do you feel about manual labor? Would you rather be inside working or outside working? How do you feel about that? 
Well, they might say, oh, I love working inside. Yeah. I mean, if I can keep from it, I, I would I would like to work inside and not outside. Um, so, you know, if that's an option with you guys, well, that that tells you what this person likes. They, they don't want to do heavy lifting. They don't want to be outside. Um, so ask the question in a way that you ask them their opinion first before you tell them yours. Don't tell them your opinion. That's not the point of the interview. We don't want to say, hey, uh, customer service is very important to us. And, and, and some of these things are real important to us. So how do you feel about customer service? Well, that's something that you want to try to keep from as much as possible. So not only have all these these questions written down, don't only have all of the things in mind that you want to ask, but also ask the question and don't give your opinion and just listen. It's the hardest thing to do. It's okay to be a little bit awkward. Just pause and stare at the person and, and wait for them to respond to you. And finally, on the post-interview follow-up, um, one thing that I have found, and this is this is also important for getting people to interview with you, speed is the game. Speed is the game. A lot of these big companies, when you're talking about Walmart, Amazon, uh, in our area, Hobby Lobby is a huge company. Um, when you talk about some of these big companies, they sometimes take two, three, four, five weeks to get back with candidates. We once hired a guy that his last job was with Hobby Lobby. He said that it took five weeks from the start of their conversations to actually getting a job offer. That is way too long. You are going to have your mind made up way faster than that, or you should. Um, you're not going to get any more details. You're not going to get any more information out of this candidate through those five weeks than you could have gotten in the first two days. So when you find a resume that you like on your platform, remember that these people are applying probably for a ton of different jobs. Be the first person to call them. Be the first person to interview them. Do these things quickly. Um, so when you find a resume, call them and schedule an interview for that week as long as they they go through the phone screen okay. Call them and, and schedule an interview for tomorrow, the next day, or whatever it might be. When, when you know that you want to hire a candidate as well, um, I, I wouldn't wait longer than maybe the next day. I wouldn't wait longer than that afternoon if you can keep from it, um, you know, unless you're going to have two or three people that you're going to interview. But stack those two or three people in the same day or maybe the next day and then let them know. You'll hear from me by tomorrow afternoon. Um, you know, this might be somewhat of a controversial thing, but um, as far as people that we're not hiring, I don't know how important it is to call people back when you don't want to hire them. Um, I don't I don't know if that's a, a, a slap in people's face or whatever it might be. Of course, if somebody calls us up and asks, you know, did I get the job and we've, we've hired somebody else, we'll tell them, you know, the position has been filled with somebody else. Um, however, I I'm not big on calling people. Maybe it's a, a fear of, uh, you know, confrontation or whatever it might be, but I, I don't feel that I owe that to the candidate necessarily. Um, they applied for this job. Um, and I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you feel completely differently about, um, you know, this situation. Let me know how you feel about that. Maybe I'm the biggest jerk in the world that I don't call people back and tell them that we went with somebody else. But what do you do? Um, let me know in in a comment. Let me know in in a uh, message of some sort. And let me know if I'm a jerk. I guess. So that is our hiring process. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I think that you have to just accept the fact that this is important. 
It's important to hire people. It's important. It's just part of the job, as they say. Um, you know, I think that you can't get out of, of, of hiring people if you want to build a sizable business. So why not just embrace it? Set up a system around it. Setting up the system around, these are the questions we ask. This is the platform we advertise on. This is what we do in um, the interview. This is the phone screen. This is the hiring process. I think that that will save you a lot of mental energy as well. You know, it used to be exhausting before we had a system of questions that we would ask each candidate. It was exhausting trying to figure out what should I ask this person right before the interview. Um, and you just sit down and chit chat and you'd forget to ask a candidate something that you asked the other candidate. Um, and that is really important. So set up the system and that'll save you a lot of mental energy as well. Thank you for watching. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Better Business Podcast with me, your host, Steve Cook. You know, starting or growing a business is hard work. So I hope that today's advice made it just a little bit easier for you. We'll be sharing more about this exact topic all this week on my social platforms. You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, or if you would like to get a, a personalized blog post from me on this topic, you can join my email list and I will send you an email once a week. You can check the show notes to subscribe to that or find me on my website, whatever's easier for you. Now get out there and go grow a better business with this advice from today's Real Pros. Thank you for listening.